Life Talk Radio presents Health and Longevity, the program dedicated to bringing you cutting-edge information and interviews that can change your life. On each edition, nutritionist, registered dietitian, and board-certified anti-aging health practitioner, Dr. John Westerdahl, will show you how to achieve a longer, healthier life using the latest breakthroughs in nutrition, wellness, and lifestyle medicine. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Westerdahl. Welcome to Health and Longevity. I'm Dr. John Westerdahl. On today's program, I will be discussing natural herbal remedies for your personal health and longevity from my book, Medicinal Herbs, A Vital Reference Guide. But before we get into today's exciting topic, let's hear the latest research and news affecting our health and longevity today. Dr. Westerdahl presents the Health and Longevity News and Research Update, bringing you the most pertinent and important information about your health and longevity. To banish belly fat, keep moving. If you want to get rid of belly fat, vigorous aerobic exercise such as jogging or brisk walking beats weight or resistance training, a new study shows. If you are overweight or mildly obese and want to lose fat, belly fat, visceral fat, liver fat, Vigorous exercise, particularly aerobic training, was better than resistance training, according to researcher Dr. Chris Slens, an exercise physiologist at Duke University Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina. The study appears in the American Journal of Physiology, Endocrinology, and Metabolism. Dr. Slentz and his team assigned men and women, ranging from age 18 to 70, to one of three groups. The aerobic training group exercised by walking on a treadmill on an incline. They put an equivalent to 12 miles of jogging at 80% of their maximum heart rate each week. The resistance training group did three sets of 8 to 12 repetitions on weight training machines three times a week. The combination group did both workouts. The study lasted About eight months, and Dr. Slentz focused on visceral fat. It's located within the body, around the stomach, and fills spaces between internal organs. Think of it as inside fat. It's linked to an increased risk of heart disease, diabetes, and other health problems. It is different from subcutaneous fat, the kind of fat that lies directly under the skin. Subcutaneous fat is what is responsible for the so-called muffin top, the fat that spills over our waistbands. Well, although too much of the subcutaneous fat is not good, too much visceral or inside belly fat is much more dangerous. The researchers compared before and after measurements. They reported results for 144 men and women, about equally divided among three groups. The aerobic training group had the most visceral fat reduction, and the combination group had more total belly fat reduction than the aerobic training alone, but less visceral fat than the aerobic-only group. As for why aerobic training is the better belly fat fix, Dr. Slent says it simply burns more calories than resistance training does. The aerobic training was also better than resistance training at improving risk factors for diabetes, such as insulin resistance, and risk factors for heart disease. Dr. Slentz cautions people who haven't been active to check with their doctor before starting a vigorous exercise program. 
Now, here's a report that says anger and stress may provoke heart attacks. Heart attack survivors who anger easily or who are often stressed out may be setting themselves up for another potentially fatal heart attack, a new study suggests. Over a 10-year period, more than half of heart attack survivors who had high scores on psychological tests designed to identify people with anger problems had a fatal or non-fatal heart attack, compared with fewer than one-fourth of people who had low scores. People with a high score on the anger scale were 2.3 times more likely to have another heart attack in comparison with those with a low score in the same scale. Similarly, heart attack survivors who scored high on the stress scale were 1.9 times more likely to have another heart attack compared with those who had low scores. The analysis took into account known risk factors for heart disease such as age, gender, high blood pressure, and high cholesterol. The findings were presented at the European Society of Cardiology annual meeting. The researchers pointed out that anger is an emotion that cannot be switched off at will. It can have constructive function when it comes into overcoming obstacles and to reach certain objectives. Beyond a certain point, however, or in people who are already vulnerable to heart disease, anger can trigger unfavorable psychological changes and can contribute to self-destructive behaviors and food and alcoholic addiction. The good news is, however, people can change their behavior. American College of Cardiology Vice President John Harold, M.D., a specialist in the area of heart disease from the University of California, Los Angeles, says that the findings reflect what he sees in his own practice. According to Dr. Harold, he stated, and I quote, when a heart attack patient comes in and exhibits anger or turns beet red or is stressed out, I can almost predict that they are not going to do well if they don't change their behavior. Dr. Harold says he often prescribes an ocean cruise for such patients. His point is that relaxation may help their health. The advice that Dr. Harold gives is that if a family argument or other stressful situation is getting out of hand, walk away. Dr. Harold says it's just not worth it. We'll be back with more after this quick break. Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and longer fulfilled life? Then visit us at healthandlongevityradio.com. That's one word, healthandlongevityradio.com. There you'll find valuable information and resources that can help you achieve optimal health and give you the secrets to longevity. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. It could change your life. Welcome back to Health and Longevity. Do you have questions about nutrition, health, or longevity? This is your chance to have them answered. On each program, Dr. Westerdahl will choose a key question from our listening audience and respond to it on the air. Due to the high volume of emails, Dr. Westerdahl cannot personally answer each question on our broadcast. If you would like to submit a question, please go to our website, healthandlongevityradio.com. Once there, you will see a button to submit your questions. And now, the question of the day. Our question today is that recent reports of health risks associated with hormone therapy scare me. I am going to stop taking estrogen and progestin. Are there natural alternatives to HRT that women can take to stay healthy after menopause and also reduce risk of heart attacks, osteoporosis, and other diseases that accompany aging? 
Well, continuing or discontinuing hormone replacement therapy really is an individual decision that women must make and really consult with their physicians. But as a result of many of the concerns regarding hormone replacement therapy, many women are seeking natural alternatives to HRT. And there are many things that you can do to stay on a healthy uh, program uh, well past menopause and reduce the health risks that you're concerned about. Now, a healthy diet and lifestyle are the key to achieving optimal health. And women who are lean, get regular exercise, and eat a healthy and nutritious plant-based diet experience significantly milder uh, menopause symptoms. And uh, for hot flashes, uh, I would consider including more foods that contain phytoestrogens that are plant-based. These are plant-based estrogens that are in your diet. And these natural compounds may help actually in um, to regulate the normal hormone fluctuations that occur during menopause. Soy foods, uh, that includes soybeans, tofu, soy milk, tempeh, miso, and other soy products are very rich sources of phytoestrogens. Flaxseed is another rich source, and uh, avoiding alcohol and caffeine may help to ease symptoms also. Uh, avoiding spicy foods can be helpful as well. Now, the medicinal herbs black cohosh and chaseberry have been shown to be very effective in treating menopausal symptoms. Mood swings during menopause can be helped by taking black cohosh, and insomnia can be helped by herbal preparations containing combinations of the herbs valerian and passionflower. And that's our question for today. And now, Health and Longevity's special feature, where Dr. Westerdahl discusses vital topics important to your health and longevity. On today's program, I'm going to be talking about medicinal herbs that can actually contribute to your personal health and longevity. Now, in addition to my advanced degrees in the areas of nutrition and health education, I also have a degree in herbal medicine. I have a master herbalist degree that I uh, received many years ago and have spent a big percentage of my career in studying medicinal plants and how they affect your health and how they can be used in helping you to have more vitality and health and actually contribute to your longevity as well. I've written a, a small book called Medicinal Herbs, a Vital Reference Guide, which we'll be talking about a little bit later in today's program. But um, you can obtain a copy of that through our website. But uh, let's talk about herbs. And you know, it's really since the beginning of time that herbs have played an important part in the diet and well-being of just about every major culture. And the people of the ancient world relied heavily upon various herbs for their medicines. And many of these plants were the chief therapy offering comfort and healing during illness and disease. Written historical records actually list many medicinal plants in the early Materia Medica from uh, ancient China, Babylon, Egypt, India, Greece, and other parts of the world. The ancient Egyptians uh, wrote a medical text called Papyrus Ebers, which was written back in 1550 BC, and that lists over 800 medicinal formulas using herbs. And Hippocrates, who's known as the father of medicine, used herbs extensively with his patients and wrote about their healing benefits. And even today, there's some 25% of prescription drugs in the United States now on the market that are derived from plants. 
In fact, many of today's most popular used medicinal herbs were once listed in the official monographs of the United States Pharmacopeia and the National Formulary. Now, there are over 2,000 herbs currently used somewhere in the world today, and the World Health Organization actually estimates that 80% of the world's population relies mainly on traditional medicine, most of which uh, utilizes medicinal plants. Now, trying to decipher actually all of uh, the different types of herbs and how they're used is really a daunting task, and some herbal books make an attempt at uh, presenting hundreds of these herbs, and that can be quite confusing. And, And in my book, Medicinal Herbs, A Vital Reference Guide, which is a small book, is really designed to be a quick reference guide that presents the properties and uses of about 60 of the most popular, best, well-researched uh, herbs that are used in Europe, Asia, and North America. And it's really up-to-date with the very latest research and applications for each of the herbs. Now, herbal terms are new to many people. Uh, sometimes they seem complex. And I've included in the book an extensive glossary that's provided in, in my book for easy reference. And today, as I said, I'm going to be discussing some of the, uh, on today's program, some of the different herbs that I talk about in the book that actually contribute to your health and longevity. Now, the first herb I'm going to talk about is aloe. And uh, aloe is a herb that the, the leaves are used as a medicinal uh, plant. Aloe contains cathartic or actually uh, a laxative uh, compounds that naturally occur within the plant. Aloe vera gel is a clear gelatinous material obtained by crushing actually the mucilaginous cells found in the inner leaf of the aloe plant, and that contains a substance called glucomannan, which is a polysaccharide similar to guar gum. And uh, this component is believed to be responsible for the emollient effects of the gel. Now, aloe has been used traditionally as a laxative, a bitter tonic, uh, an emollient uh, for burns, used often for sunburns and mild abrasions when it's applied to the skin. Aloe and its phytochemical constituents are extensively used in laxative preparations, often in combination with other herbs. Its constituents stimulate peristalsis, especially in the lower bowel, and are considered uh, more irritating in comparison to other laxative herbs such as senna, which is another herbal that's used uh, and actually has laxative properties. Now, aloe is used for its uh, external application. Most famously, most people uh, are familiar with that. In fact, fresh aloe vera gel is well known for its medicinal properties. It's widely used as a natural remedy for minor wounds and burns. Uh, that's thermal burns and as well as sunburns. And modern medicine has found aloe useful for treating radiation burns as well. The plant has moisturizing and emollient properties. Another herb that is very popular in Europe and is uh, found here in the United States in many herbal shops and health food stores is a berry called bilberry. Bilberry is also known as European blueberry or huckleberry. And uh, it's the fruit or the berries and the leaves that are used in this plant. Now, bilberry contains at least... 3% flavonoid compounds, what we call anthocyanocytes, and these are very strong antioxidants. 
And uh, we know that bilberry is uh, being used in Europe and approved by the European governments, like, particularly like in Germany and in England. Uh, they know that it helps to improve microcirculation. It has strong antioxidant properties. It's used in the treatment for eye disorders and the treatment for diarrhea. Now, bilberries have been enjoyed in Europe as a pleasant-tasting, nutritious fruit. In fact, you can find it in many jams and other food products. The common bilberry is found growing in the mountainous and hilly areas and woods and forests and meadow areas of southern Europe. The berries are eaten fresh and prepared, as I said, into jams, or they can be dried. Uh, The fruit's dried and the leaves have been dried and been used in traditional herbal medicine uh, formulas for many uh, European countries. Now, the phytochemical compounds that give bilberries their rich purple and blue pigment, which I mentioned earlier called anthocyanocides, have antioxidant properties that may offer benefits of health for the eye as well as the cardiovascular system. In Europe, concentrated bilberry extracts contain standardized amounts of those anthocyanocides that are used to help increase microcirculation, stimulating new capillary formation. It actually helps to stimulate the capillaries for growing. These properties actually protect and strengthen capillary walls as well as improve the general health of the circulatory system. The anthocyanocides um, in bilberry protect blood vessel walls from free radical damage. Now, pilots in the British Royal Air Force found in World War II that by eating bilberry jam before night missions, it actually helped them to improve their vision. And further preliminary studies have shown that bilberry extracts appear to improve visual acuity and offer protection against cataracts, macular degeneration, glaucoma, and diabetic retinopathy. The anthocyanocides in bilberry extract appear to be of value in treating and preventing the progression of these vision problems. More ophthalmologic uh, studies are needed really to confirm the potential health benefits that this promising little berry may offer for the eye. Dried bilberries prepared in tea are also useful for the treatment of diarrhea. Now, an herb that I spent two years studying is garlic. Garlic, uh, of course, the bulb and the cloves are used, and garlic has many wonderful compounds naturally occurring. These are sulfur-containing compounds such as allium and allicin, and other compounds that are believed to have effective medicinal properties. Allicin is mainly responsible for the pungent odor that garlic has. Now, garlic has antibacterial properties and is also a preventive treatment for reducing heart disease risk factors. Garlic is one of the oldest and most popular herbs used in traditional herbal medicine throughout the world. It has played an important part in East Indian Ayurvedic and in Chinese herbal traditions for centuries. It has been used in Western medicine since the ancient Greeks and Romans, and garlic was one of the most important medicinal herbs listed in Papyrus Ebers written back in 1550 B.C., the famous ancient Egyptian medical text. Hippocrates, the father of medicine, cited numerous therapeutic uses for garlic. In general, garlic has been used throughout the world traditionally to treat coughs, earache, hypertension, atherosclerosis, diarrhea, dysentery, and many other conditions. 
And garlic has a wide range of well-documented effects. In fact, uh, most important clinical effects are antimicrobial and cardiovascular effects. Garlic has been shown to have broad-spectrum antimicrobial activity against many types of bacteria, viruses, and fungi, and laboratory tests confirm garlic's well-known antibacterial effects uh, by its demonstrated efficacy inhibiting the growth of several types of bacteria. And way back in 1858, Louis Pasteur verified garlic's antiseptic properties in his research work. And these findings substantiate and support the use of garlic throughout history in treating a variety of infectious conditions. And for centuries, the herb has been used as a remedy for colds and other respiratory infections with considerable success. Now, in recent years, research has been focused on the use of garlic and garlic supplements in the prevention and treatment of coronary heart disease. And clinical studies using garlic have shown that its regular ingestion decreases serum cholesterol and triglyceride levels. Human studies also have shown that garlic lowers serum LDL cholesterol, that's the low-density lipoprotein cholesterol, while increasing serum HDL cholesterol, the high-density lipoprotein form of cholesterol. Now, LDL cholesterol is the type of cholesterol that promotes atherosclerosis, while HDL cholesterol is a recognized protective factor against heart disease. Now, studies have also demonstrated garlic's ability to reduce blood pressure with hypertensive patients. Other studies demonstrate its effectiveness in inhibiting platelet aggregation and blood clotting while improving blood fluidity. All of these effects reduce the cardiovascular risk factors associated with heart disease. And as a result, the regular addition of garlic to a low-fat, particularly low-saturated fat, low-cholesterol and high-fiber, particularly soluble fiber type of diet appears to be scientifically sound approach to maintaining a healthy heart. Another interesting herb is milk thistle. And milk thistle is an herb that contains a compound called silymarin. It's a mixture of flavonoids that uh, have also healing properties. Now, milk thistle has been used as a liver tonic a liver protect- and a liver protectant. Milk thistle has been long grown for its edible leaves and had to have its spines removed for ingestion. Now, according to folklore, eating the leaves as part of a regular diet would assist nursing mothers in the production of milk. Milk thistle has been used by herbalists to increase the secretion and flow of bile from the liver and gallbladder. Its traditional use as a liver tonic is substantiated by research showing that it contains phytochemical constituents that protect liver cells from chemical damage. The results of numerous scientific studies indicate that the phytochemical silymarin found in the ripe seeds of the plant have considerable therapeutic properties. Silymarin is a potent substance protecting the liver from damage caused by biological and chemical insults. It protects normal healthy liver cells and cells not yet irreversibly damaged by preventing the entry of toxic substances into the cell membranes. Silymarin stimulates and accelerates the growth of new liver cells and improves the regeneration and repair of damaged liver. 
Now, European medical authorities use the herb as supportive treatment for hepatitis, cirrhosis, liver poisoning, and also liver disorders. Milk thistle extracts standardized for silymarin are used extensively in European pharmaceutical preparations for liver diseases, and these forms of oral milk thistle preparations appear to be most effective. Silymarin is not very soluble in water, and as a result, the herb is not effective when taken in the form of a tea. Now, the last herb I would like to talk about today, and there's many others I could talk about, but the one that is a pleasing herb to many people is peppermint. And peppermint contains essential oil known as menthol. Peppermint is actually a carminative. It actually uh, helps also with cold and flu symptoms. And medical interest in the mint dates back into the first century A.D. when the Roman naturalist Pliny recorded its importance as a natural remedy. Among the foremost uses of peppermint today is its utility as both a natural home remedy and an ingredient in pharmaceutical preparations to relieve stomach and intestinal gas that is often caused by certain foods. As an aid to digestion, peppermint's activity is due to its contained essential oils. The essential oil component of the herb have been found to stimulate the flow of bile and digestive juices, thereby promoting digestion. Peppermint is an excellent carminative herb, having a relaxing and soothing effect on the muscles of the digestive system. Peppermint tea is a pleasant-tasting beverage after meals as a digestive aid. A tea made with peppermint in combination with other carminative stomach-settling herbs such as ginger, fennel, and anise can be a useful remedy for mild digestive disturbances. A cup of this herbal tea, blended slowly and sipped during periods of nausea or indigestion, can actually offer gentle relief. Peppermint and its essential oil have also been traditionally used for the treatment of fever, cold, and flu symptoms. Peppermint contains a phytochemical called menthol, which is a natural remedy for upper respiratory ailments. It is often used as an ingredient in lozenges for soothing sore throats and offering temporary relief for coughs due to minor throat and bronchial irritations associated with a common cold. Its vapor action makes nasal passages feel clearer. Well, those are just a few of the natural herbs that can contribute to health and longevity. And if you would like to learn more about uh, medicinal herbs, I have written a book called Medicinal Herbs, a Vital Reference Guide. It's a small book featuring over 60 of the most popular herbal remedies used today. And if you'd like to obtain a copy of that book, go to our website at www.healthandlongevityradio.com. And on that website, you'll find information about other important health books as well. We'll be back with the final word right after this short break. To learn more about the books written by our guests and books written or recommended by Dr. Westerdahl in this program, please visit our website at healthandlongevityradio.com. There you can learn how to obtain your copy of these valuable and informative books. Search each page for yourself and see how you can live a happier, healthier, and longer life. Visit us today at healthandlongevityradio.com. Once again, that's healthandlongevityradio.com. That's all for this week. Until our next broadcast, this is Dr. John Westerdahl wishing you the best of health and longevity. 
This has been Health and Longevity with Dr. John Westerdahl, a production of Life Talk Radio. Join us again next week on the same station and time for Health and Longevity. The preceding information on this program has been general information about your health and is not to be taken as professional medical advice, nor is it intended to serve as a substitute for medical attention. Do not change your diet or exercise habits without guidance from your medical doctor, especially if you have health problems or are on medication. Do not change your medications without the advice and supervision of your medical doctor. If you have a medical condition, we encourage you to seek the consultation of a medical doctor experienced in dietary change and lifestyle medicine. And as always, we wish you the best of health.